it's really good to be with you all. I'm going to be carrying on our series called Times and Seasons. Times and Seasons. Last week, we uh, we looked at uh, this whole prophetic word that we're in a prophetic, prophetic, pivotal season of preparation. And I want to ask you the question, are you maximizing the moment to prepare yourself in this season for the season that we're moving towards? I believe that we have been given a unique gift, a window of opportunity that will eventually close. And I don't want to be one of those people that when we come through this season, that I look back and, and suddenly think, oh, my goodness, like, why, why did I not make the most of, of the, the window of opportunity? Why did I not really seize this moment? I really do believe that we've been giving this, uh, this amazing gift uh, to make a positive difference to prepare ourselves for what's coming. So I want to encourage you. I really want to inspire you to be proactive in the preparation. Whatever it is that God is wanting to do in your heart, in your life. And I know that for some of us, that will mean that there's going to be some uncomfortable stuff, some messy stuff that's going to come to the surface. As we deal with the man in the mirror or the, the woman in the mirror, as we confront ourselves and some areas where there needs to be change. But I believe that where we grow the most is in those uncomfortable areas. You know, when I look back over my own life and I think about where did I grow the most? Where did my faith soar? Where were those times where wisdom grew? And I can honestly say this. It wasn't during the times where everything was roses and dandelions. It was in those tough times. It was in those challenging, uh, difficult moments of life. I believe that they're often the defining moments when we lean in with hearing the voice of God and saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? And, you know, we've looked at these three questions and I'm going to continue to bring them back to you because I think that they they are life transforming. Asking the question, you know, what do I need to let go of in this season? And the second question, what do I need to keep? but change somehow. Maybe it's doing more of something. Maybe it's doing less of something. Maybe it's flipping something, changing the way that we do something. And then thirdly, what is the new things that I need to pick up? Or what are the new things that I need to be learning um, in this season? We are in a prophetic pivot of preparation. And what is a pivot? A pivot is a turning point from which we change direction you know we can either move forwards or we will move backwards and today's message you know i've titled this it's time to move forward so why don't you just encourage yourself right now wherever you're listening to this message and speak to yourself whatever your name is you know and say you know for me daniel it's time to move forward whatever your name is just say your name right now there's something powerful that happens when we begin to speak out the word of God, that we encourage ourselves in the Lord. Daniel, 
Sally, you know, Simon, John, Becky. It's time to move forward. We had a very prophetic, powerful prophetic word that was shared with the church from Esther Lombardi during one of our staff and interns meetings. And she she said this phrase, which really stuck with me. She said this, we've reached the point of no return. You know, I want to say this, we're not going to be going back to normal. I know some people are like, oh, you know, when we go back to normal, guys, it's not going to happen. Like we will not be going back to normal. We have reached the point of no return. It will be going to the new normal. So I really want to encourage you in this time. This is about us pivoting in that preparation and moving forward into the things that God has for us. In First Chronicles 12, verse 32, it speaks about the sons of Issachar, who it says that they were men that understood the signs of the times and they knew what to do. They were prophetic. They were hearing the voice of God. They were they were knowing what was going on, the signs of the times. But they also were very pragmatic. They were practical. They knew what also needed to be done. And they were able to communicate that with the nation of Israel so that there was a clear next step plan of what they needed to do. They were discerning, but they also knew what to do. And God has called us to be people that are discerning, but we also know what to do, to be prophetic, but also practical as well. I want to ask you the question. Do you understand the signs of the times? Do you know what time it is? And I'm not talking about just looking at your watch and knowing what that time is. I'm talking about, no, do you understand the times that we're in, the the season that we're in right now? I really believe that knowing and understanding the, the signs of the times is really important. And here's why. Because if you if you don't know what time it is, you won't know what to do. But when you know what time it is, you will know what to do. And my prayer today is that you will not only gain an insight and an understanding of the times, but you'll have a clear action point, a clear action plan for moving forward into the fullness of all that God has for your life. Our time is so precious. And we all have a limited amount of time, don't we? You know, sometimes you hear people saying, oh, if only I had, you know, so much time as so and so. Guys, we've all got the same amount of time. We've all got 24 hours in in the day. No one's like, it's not like some people have got 27 hours and others have only got 18. No, we've all got an equal amount of time in every day. Time is so precious. And, and I believe that time is worth way more than any material possession or sum of money. Just ask the terminally ill person. Ask them, would you, would you trade time? Would you trade life? Would you, would you trade that for, for your material stuff? And of course they would. Because time is so precious and valuable. And wasted time is wasted life. God has called us to be people that are wise stewards 
of our time. Moses wrote this in Psalm 90, verse 12. He said, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So when we acknowledge and embrace the sobering fact that we all have a limited time here on the earth, what that will do is it will help you to be more wise in the decisions that you make. It will help you to really get your priorities more in order. So what is time? Well, time is an interruption in eternity that can be measured. Actually, there's two types of time that we come across in the New Testament. When we look at the Greek, we get this word chronos, which is where we get the word chronological from. This is about a measured amount of time. It's normally in a timeline. It's it's linear. And then we get another type of time that the Bible talks about, which is kairos. And this is about where God invades the timeline. It's like divine intervention. Uh, uh, sometimes it refers to an era. Or, or a season, but but it's about God, you know, invading at a point of time and doing something that's part of a much bigger plan and purpose. God created time, and yet he lives and operates outside of it. I mean, he operates inside time, but he also operates outside of time. So remember this, when you're talking to God, understand that he's not just talking to the present you. He's also talking to the future you as well he's talking to your destiny he's talking to the plans and purposes that he has for you in the future that's why god is known as the alpha and the omega he's known as the beginning and the end he's the eternal rock of ages god operates in time but he also operates outside of time as well so why do we have time? Why did God invent time? Let's look at a powerful passage of scripture. This is very, very key for this series and this study that we're doing on times and seasons. We're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter three and we're going to go from verse one to eight and then we're going to jump forward into verse 10. It says this to everything. There is a season if you've got your bible open you know underline that key word or if you're on your U version bible app you know highlight that verse to everything there is a season and a time you can underline that as well for every purpose under heaven so there's season there's time and there's purpose under heaven and verse two it says this there's a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to pluck what was planted. There's a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather those stones. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Well, that's certainly very relevant at this time, isn't it? There's a time to gain and there's a time to lose. 
There's a time to keep and there's a time to throw away. There's a time to tear and a time to sow. There's a time to keep silent and a time to speak. There's a time to love and there's a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And then it says, and he has made everything beautiful in its time. And also he has put eternity in the human heart, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. So everything has a season. If it's a thing, then it has a season. And everything was created by God for a purpose. Everything has a purpose and there's a time attached to it to fulfill what it was created for. Therefore, time was created for purpose to be fulfilled. Let me say that again. Time was created for purpose to be fulfilled. We don't have time to waste, but we do have purpose to fulfill. You know, let me give you some examples of some people in the Bible. Adam and Eve, they were created, weren't they, to pioneer humanity and relationship with God, to model what it would be like to commune with God. Think about Joseph in the Old Testament. He was created to save the world from starvation. He became the prime minister and was an amazing deliverer. Think about Moses. Moses delivered a whole nation from slavery. It was, you know, leading them, you know, the people out from one of the biggest human trafficking operations that ever happened. Think about Joshua. Joshua led the people of God into the promised land. David, you know, was raised up to deliver a nation from its enemy to defeat Goliath. What about Esther? Esther's another great example of someone who was born with purpose. Esther was called to rescue the Jewish nation from genocide. I love this passage of scripture in Esther 4, verse 14, and it really links in with this series, Times and Seasons. This is what it says. Esther 4, 14. For if you remain completely silent at this, and there's that word again, time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. You know, there was God was saying, I've got a plan. I've got a purpose. I've chosen you. This is a a pivotal moment in history. And this is your time to act. This is your time to step up. This is your time to respond. This is your time to, to, to walk in the fullness of what I have for you. But if you choose not to respond, not to obey God, well, this purpose is still going to come about. It's going to come from somewhere else, but there will be a price to pay here in this situation. You know, God's saying to Esther, hey, if you don't do this, there will be a perishing. Don't don't fool yourself into thinking that if you'll bury your head in the sands, nothing's going to happen like you and your father's house. They're going to perish. But this is your pivotal time to step up and to shine. You have been born for such a time as this. And I want to say to each and every one of you watching this broadcast today, I want you to know that you 
have been created for such a time as this. You've been called, chosen, set apart to make a positive difference, to let the light of Christ shine everywhere you go, to fulfill a unique plan and purpose that's been tailor-made just for you. You have been set apart for greatness. You know, time is measured in seasons. So when we think about our calendar year, it's divided into four seasons, isn't it? We've got winter, spring, summer and autumn. And when seasons change, we should change with those seasons as well. You know, we used this illustration last week, but I want to repeat it again. You know, it's gonna, it would be very unusual if in the peak of summer, you guys were, you know, walking around in, in your thermals, you know, with your woolly hat and your gloves and your scarf and your big thick coat on. It, it would be really foolish, wouldn't it? And, and the same is that if, we're, if, if we were in the peak of winter and it was freezing cold, maybe it was even snowing. And then you went for a walk along the beach and, and you know, you guys were in your, your nice little tiny speedos or you ladies are in your bikinis. I mean, it's, it's not appropriate, is it? It's not the right thing. We have to recognize what season we're in so that we know how to appropriately be dressed. When seasons change, we need to appropriately adjust ourselves to the season. And it sounds silly to suggest that anyone would wear, you know, speedos in winter or thermals in summer. But many people are ill dressed for the season that spiritually we're in and have no clue about what time it is, which is so important. Why we need to be hearing the voice of God, where we need to really be hearing what is the spirit of God saying? Which is so important why we don't just take all of our direction and guidance from the mainstream media. You know, it's really sad to see that even many Christians take their guidance, take their um, their being discipled by the mainstream media. And we need to be people that are not discipled by the mainstream media. And that's not to say that there's not good people in the mainstream media because they are. And we need to be, you know, serving, having Christians serving in that space. We need to be salt and light, you know, in the in the media sphere. But we shouldn't be allowing the mainstream media to disciple us, but we should be allowing the word of God to disciple us and the Holy Spirit. And what is God saying to us? And that way we're not going to be deceived. That way we're not going to be tripped up. That way we're not going to fall into to, to a pit of the enemy. The enemy's so crafty. He can even make an angel of light. You know, uh, the, the enemy appear as an angel of light. So we have to be wise. We have to keep our ear to the ground to, to hear what the voice of God is really saying to us. So how does God measure our life? Well, God measures our life not by our age, but by our purpose. I want to say this respectfully. God isn't impressed with how old you are. There might be some people watching this broadcast. Maybe you're in your 70s, 80s, 90s, maybe even some people watching in your hundreds. And I want to say this respectfully. That's amazing. That's great. But God isn't impressed with how old you are. What matters is whether or not you have fulfilled your purpose. 
Now, Jesus was only 33 years of age when he died, but he completed his purpose. You know, that was why on the cross, when he was there and he was hanging on the cross, and he died out of his amazing love for you and me so that we can have relationship with God, that we can have forgiveness, that we can have, you know, uh, bring heaven to earth. He died on the cross. And as he was doing that, he said, it is finished. What was he saying? He was he was saying it's job complete. It's job done. I've fulfilled my purpose. I've done what I was called to do. God measures our life not by duration, but by donation. What are we how we are donating of ourselves to humanity to make an eternal difference? Are we fulfilling our purpose under heaven or or, or are we just drifting aimlessly through life are we just pursuing comfort and i want to say this comfort is not the goal the goal is not just to retire and have an easy life there is nothing in the bible that talks about retirement we never retire we just simply refire And God, when we fulfill one purpose, God gives us something new to do. When we eventually will face God, you know, we'll come face to face with God. We will all face to face with God at one, you know, in the future. And he's not going to ask us, how old are you? He's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? Did you fulfill your purpose, the assignment from heaven that I gave to you? I want to encourage you, those of you that maybe are a little bit later in years and saying, oh, you know, I've made so many mistakes. I've messed up. It's, you know, I really feel it's too late to be used by God. I want to encourage you this morning. I want to say you're never too young and you're never too old to be used by God. It's never too late. Now, remember this. Moses was 80 years of age when he became the pastor of the largest church in the world world you know he had a congregation of over 600,000 people but he was 80 years of age when he took on that role think about Joshua and Caleb they were both in their 80s when they stepped up into their senior roles of leadership they were 80s these weren't young sometimes we talk about the Joshua and Caleb generation and we think of just young people but here Joshua and Caleb they're in their 80s i think it was uh, one was 83 one was 85 you know they weren't young but it was an attitude that their focus wasn't on the size of the giants but their focus was on the size of their god let me give you a few other examples. Last week we looked at, didn't we, Captain Tom, the hundred year old man who wanted to raise money for the NHS. And so uh, he ended up walking around his garden aided by a Zimmer frame. It was like, OK, there's a lot of things I can't do, but what can I do? And so he walked around and he originally wanted to, to, to raise a few thousand pounds. But he, he ended up raising almost 33 million pounds. Yes, I did say that right almost 33 million pounds 
how many, you know, it could have been very easy to say, hey, I'm too old, you know, I've done my time, I've, uh, you know, I've already made my contribution to the country. But he didn't. He didn't let his age restrict or limit him. And now he's even been knighted and he's become a national hero because it challenges our limitations. For those that say we can't do it, it just you know, his example, it just takes away all those excuses that we often come up with. You have been birthed and born for such a time as this. There's so many greater things ahead. I think about um, Telechi uh, Egashi, the retired lumberjack who climbed Mount Fuji, Japan's tallest mountain. You want to know how old he was when he did this? A hundred years of age. Wow. Uh, another example, Gladys Burrell. She broke the world record when she ran and completed a marathon at the age of 92. You know, this week I ran a half marathon and I needed like a day to recover. I mean, it was tough. My feet were aching. My legs were aching. But I did it. You know, I pushed through the pain barrier. And sometimes we have to lean into that discomfort. And, and, and it's more about breaking those mental barriers that are in our mind. We need to stop coming up with the excuses. Stop saying I can't. In other words, you know, ban that word I can't. You know, it is not a kingdom word. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. That's Philippians 4, 13. I think about Dorothy Davenhill Hirsch in 1980. She broke the world record by being the oldest person to reach the North Pole. She was 89 years of age. 89 some of us complain just about a tiny little bit of cold, don't we? But here she was, 89, reaching the North Pole. In 1948, William Ivy Baldwin tightrope walked across a canyon at the age of 82. Here's another inspiring one. In 1993, Nelson Mandela was elected as the president of South Africa at the age of 75. Not only that, but he was the first non-white head of state in South Africa's history. Amazing when you think what he went through, the, the, the mistreatment that he had, the years, the decades in prison and just in a, a real horror situation. Yet God was preparing him. It was a season of preparation. You know, you can either get bitter or you can get better. And I know that even when he had his inauguration, he invited the prison guards that mistreated him, that, that you know, did all sorts of terrible things. And he knew and when he was asked, like, why did you invite the prison guards like to your inauguration? They treated you terribly. And he said, I had to do it. I had to invite them because if I didn't, then I'd still be in that prison right now. You see, he was talking about a mental prison of the mind. He was talking about, he knows that in when we hold on to grudges and unforgiveness, we become the ones that are imprisoned. I think about Grandma Moses. She became one of America's greatest, uh, most famous painters, but she didn't do her first painting until the age of 76. She took up painting because she had uh, arthritis. Uh, you know, her hands were crippled. Uh, she could no longer embroider. 
And so she took up painting. Three years later, art was hanging in the Museum of Modern Art in New York. Winston Churchill became prime minister. How old was he? I wonder if people can put in the comments. How old was Winston Churchill, one of the greatest prime ministers of the United Kingdom? How old was he when he became prime minister? Some of you are Googling it right now. He was 65 and he served two terms. And in his second term, he even served up into his 80s. You know, he stepped into his moment of greatness in his senior years. Uh, Colonel Sanders was another one at 65 years of age um, when he received his first Social Security check. Uh, you know, he received ninety nine dollars. And it was then that he made the decision. I need to change. I, I can't just live my life this way anymore. So with his simple chicken recipe, he took action. He traveled around the United States, uh, you know, looking for someone who would give him a chance. And then eventually KFC was born. And then a final example, Diana Nyad, age 64, became the first person to swim from Cuba to Florida without the aid of a shark cage. The journey was 110 miles long and it took her 53 hours straight. Now, why am I telling you all these examples? I'm telling you this because I want to challenge you to awaken the great potential that's within you that is waiting to be unleashed in the world. Don't tell me that you're too old. Don't tell me that you're too young. Don't tell me that you're past your peak. You're way more capable than you realize. Now, apparently, human beings typically only use about two to five percent of their potential during their lifetime. That's shocking, isn't it? What would it look like for you and I to tap into that 95 to 98 percent potential and go even beyond that by partnering with a limitless God? There is so much more that you and I are capable of. Don't ever stop dreaming and stepping out in faith to glorify God. This is a season for us to move forward, to dream big again and to step into our potential and know that with God, there is no limits. You know, Israel were held in captivity for 430 years but when their time came for deliverance it was time to leave what where they'd come from and to transition into the new season but it was much easier for God to get Israel out of Egypt than it was to get Egypt out of Israel you know God had brought them out physically but they were still living in the Egyptian way of thinking the old limiting stinking thinking you know, they still walked and talked and thought in the old way. They craved for the old. You know, they'd complained and moaned, and you know, that they weren't free. They suddenly were freed. And what did they do? They started complaining about the leadership. They started complaining, you know, uh, about the journey. They started complaining about not having leeks and onions and cucumbers. I mean, come on. If you're going to complain about something. Don't complain about leeks, onions and garlics. I mean, <laughs> there's much more things that you can complain about. But it was tragic because a whole generation missed out on the promised land because they refused to adapt to the new way. There were only two survivors of that generation. Who were they? You know their names, Joshua and Caleb, because they had a positive faith filled mindset that wasn't focused on the size of the giants, but it was focused on the size of their God. Now, one of the quickest ways that we can rob ourselves of the new blessing is to moan, to complain, to, you know, stay keeping hold of the old mindset. 
And I want to say this. If you're a frequent moaner and complainer, I want to say this. Stop. Stop moaning. Stop complaining. You can never have a negative mindset and expect to have a positive life. But the good news is that you have a choice. You have a choice. And I want to encourage you and say this. This is a time to move forward, to dream again, to step into our potential with God. There is no limits. I want to pray for you right now. And I want to encourage you that if you're watching this and maybe you've never made a commitment to Christ, I want to encourage you. There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, and it says this. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. And I want to encourage you, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, why didn't you make that decision today to give your life to Christ, to say, this is not about me living for my dream, but I want to live for that eternal purpose, that bigger picture. I don't always understand what happens in life, but I know that, God, there's a bigger picture that you have for me. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer right now with me. And the word says, you know, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So just pray. Close your eyes wherever you're at. Unless you're driving your car, don't do that. <laughs> but if you can, close your eyes. Just concentrate in this holy moment and pray these words from your heart after me right now. Dear Lord God. I acknowledge that I'm not perfect. I've made mistakes. I have sin. Please forgive me of all sin. Please come into my life. I surrender my life to you and say, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for me. Jesus, today, I say, be my Lord. Be my savior. Help me to live for the purpose and the plan that you have for me in Jesus name. Amen. And I just want to pray right now that Lord God, that you would help every person watching this broadcast, that Lord, that they would recognize the, the signs of the times, that they would have that prophetic insight, but also a practical, pragmatic insight that Lord God, that, that they would dream again with you, God. And it wouldn't be about their dream, but it would be about your dream. And that, Lord God, you would awaken our potential. And, Lord, may we know that with you there is no limits. We thank you for it and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.